0: Thanks for joining our podcast today, the Results Matter Business Podcast by RCI. When results matter, think RCI. RCI is a business consulting group based out of Tennessee. Our services include digital transformation, cultural transformation, operational excellence, IT, and fractional leadership. We offer strengths in healthcare and manufacturing. We hope you can gain something from our podcast, which helps you move the needle. If we can ever be of assistance, please reach out through our website at www.thinkrci.com or on social media at Think RCI. Now let's get to the podcast. All right, so look, guys, welcome here in the day. I appreciate everybody joining. Uh, Let's just give a a small welcome, if we would, to Guy DeLoach, Andrew Von Bruegel, Joe Noble, Jeff Sargent. I appreciate you guys joining in today. Today, we're talking about lean is mean. And guys, I know you've got a lot of subjects we can talk about with this, some examples. So let's just get into the podcast. So why do people consider lean as mean?
1: Yes, I can start off uh, Anthony so in my background in the automotive industry. Um, back in the let's say the early the 80s and 90s when Toyota became um, was a force to be reckoned with in the automotive industry, a lot of the uh, GM Ford and Chrysler wanted to emulate the Toyota production system and they you know, didn't really understand it as well. And so they began to teach the tools of Lean and Lean Six Sigma. And unfortunately, um, at the end of the day, Lean, in their relationship with the different unions, had this, gained this connotation of Lean is mean because they translated it into a headcount reduction. So a lot of times, the upper management or leadership of the automotive industries would, uh, you know, say, hey, we're rolling out this new lean initiative and it was code for um, we need a 10 to 15 percent headcount reduction and this is how we're going to go about it. And so a lot of the automotive workers, uh, not only in automotive, but uh, um, aeronautical, et cetera, they rolled out these lean initiatives with the really the intent to reduce headcount. And so it got kind of that bad taste and, uh, connotation. And a lot of people just said, Oh man, you lean. Oh, okay. Y'all going to lean out the organization and reduced employees. So it got, yeah, it got a bad connotation.
0: All right. Guy, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, do, do, does anyone else have a, uh, maybe a, a supporting point, um, let's call it the elephant in the room. Uh, does any, anyone have anything that they can point toward uh, lean being mean or, or even bad leadership maybe?
2: Yeah, I think, Anthony, it's Andrew here. I think the, um, one of the problems is lean initiatives tend to be introduced really when it's too late. Uh, when something quite drastic needs to be addressed, and and often we hear people talk about this burning platform, you know. So I've got this burning platform, this this imperative that needs to be addressed, and someone decides that lean is the uh, is the approach that we want to follow, um, but it has to be quite drastic at that point, and you know, uh, it's quite painful to implement lean under that scenario. Now, a well-managed organisation, a well-led organisation will, will will roll out lean really not because there's some crisis to deal with, but because it's just good management. And that gives them the opportunity to implement the lean initiatives uh, in a more uh, orderly fashion and not necessarily therefore have to be so mean, if I can say that, because they've got time to uh, to, to manage uh, the cost reductions and the efficiency gains that they want to achieve. So uh, yeah, you try to introduce it when there's a crisis at hand. Um, it's going to inevitably mean uh, some pretty pretty drastic changes, and and that people associate
1: with being mean. You know, Joe. You know, you and I've talked about that. Uh, give me twenty five. You want you want to uh, elaborate on that?
3: Yeah, so uh, it, at least in my career, whenever uh, our plant was taken over by a new company, uh, they always came in, looked at the books and said, OK, well, your your costs are too high. Uh, one particular one said, came in and said, uh, hey, look, uh, you've got a $65 million operating budget. Uh, by the end of the year, we want to reduce it by 25 percent. All right. So give me the 25 percent reduction in your budget that they said, okay, well, we'll give you till February to figure out how to do that yourself. And if you guys can't figure out how to give me 25%, we'll teach you. And the way they taught us was to introduce lean principles. Um, And so to me, you know, there's two ways to do lean. Either you go in, you say, okay, I'm gonna give you the tools. We're gonna, you're gonna reduce your 25% of your budget by a certain date. and using the lean tools, or the other way to do it is, hey, cut the budget by twenty five percent, see what happens, and force people to deal with that twenty five percent reduction. Uh, and in either example, they both uh, get you results, but they both are kind of mean in the uh, in the way they treat people. If you automatically just take twenty
1: five percent off of the budget, yeah, it almost seems like. In a lot of these scenarios, the people suffer uh, in many of these scenarios and bear bear the brunt of uh, you know some of those uh, consequences. I do want to I do want to give another example. You
3: know, uh, in one of the, the uh, career jobs that I had, uh, we did a greenfield site, and from a greenfield site, all the lean principles were already. Uh, engineered into the site and the way it worked and boy i'll tell you what we didn't know any different and that site ran fantastic because it was you know
1: we never did anything different than all the lean way mm. you know i guess one other uh item that's associated with lean is mean and, and that, that is the failure rate um you know, and a lot of the research out there says that from sustainability of the Lean Six Sigma principles and from a long-term uh, perspective, and that's, you know, three to five years after you've implemented, is that, you know, only less than, uh you know, 30 percent of the organizations that went down that path were, were successful. And so I guess you could attribute you know, the lean is mean from that high of a failure rate also. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that can be associated with that.
0: Jeff, I want to kind of go over to you. Uh, tell us about the fear factor of, of lean practices and, and what might be a result of that fear.
4: Yeah, thanks, Um uh... When we when we want to change, or anytime we have to experience change, uncertainty is always surrounding that experience, and that can cause us to react in a number of different ways. One thing that leaders will do, and just individuals will do this in their lives when they've got to make a change and know that they need to make a change, is they just delay it, put it off. Uh, change itself is a is a, is a tough call. And This is what's difficult about being a leader uh, itself, is because when you change. It's going to impact you, but it also impacts others' lives. So uh, a couple of reasons why we delay or put off decisions is we, like this, we don't want to lose status with our associates. Uh, another reason is we just don't want to upset our associates. Uh, often a leader will say, well, I'm going to put off this decision because I just don't like how it's going to impact uh, the others in the organization, the people who are following me. I'm just being considerate. Well, actually... Are you actually being considered, or are you just afraid of the change yourself, and you're afraid of how you're going to be viewed? When you know that the change is necessary, putting it off is really not going to help others or help the organization. Another reason why we uh, these changes fail, or the implementation of these uh, fail, is our own arrogance. Uh, as leaders, we we just decide, well, I, you know, yeah, I see that there's possible change could be could be helpful, but I'm not changing. I believe that what we're doing, there's no problem. It's not our problem, it's someone else's problem. It's not me or it's not us, it's someone else. Or our arrogance can lead us to force the change without even considering the ramification, all right? and How it's gonna impact others. So not even considering how it's gonna impact the organization with our own arrogance, we just force the change, which dooms it, dooms it to failure.
3: And, and you know, to build on that a little bit, Jeff, not only leaders get that arrogance, but, you know, uh, maintenance guys, engineers, um, you know, people on the shop floor, different support folks within an individual company feel that and see that. And then they adopt that same, hey, I'm not going to change, I'm arrogant.
4: Yes, because it's comfortable because most of us are resistance to, resistant to change, even for the ones implementing the change, we're resistant. Um uh, and so uh, what, what's hiding behind that is our own anxiety about uh, this associated with the uncertainty. And so, yeah, it feels more comfortable to say, well, there's no reason for me to change, or there's no reason for us to change. Andrew. And so, you...
0: so the... Go ahead. Well, Andrew, do you have something to say about anything right there?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Look, inevitably, this elephant in the room you talked about, inevitably, if you look at most businesses, uh, you know, cost structure, uh, manpower is going to make uh, a big part of that. In some in some cases, it may be the major part. Uh, to think that there'd be an initiative where you're trying to reduce, let's just call it waste, or you're trying to make things flow, uh, and you're looking at procedures, simplifying them, and if you're looking at, um, you know, balancing uh, labour and making it more efficient, how is it not going to affect at some point, the um, the amount of headcount you have? That's not the issue, right? People should just stop talking about that. There is going to be a headcount impact. The question is, how do I manage that? And over what time frame? So earlier, we talked about, you know, oh, there's a crisis and we need to do something. Joe talked about, give me 25. That's going to affect um, manpower. It's going to affect it quickly. It's going to affect it abruptly and it's going to seem mean. But done in an orderly way before the crisis happens, which is what managers are supposed to be doing all the time, I wouldn't really have that crisis. I wouldn't therefore have to really remove people that I shouldn't have had there in the first place. So the whole thing looks to be much more well, less mean, shall we say.
0: Guy, yeah, earlier you said the 30% quote to us, uh, the supporting data behind that. Can you can you give us some reasoning why that uh, 30% happens? And well, let's just kind of go around and give some feedback individually.
1: So, you know, in, in contemporary business today, I think everybody has accepted the fact, whether I'm small, medium, or a larger company, I've got to have some level of operational excellence. It's just kind of the, the ticket into business today. And Lean and Lean Six Sigma is a, a very um, well-proven uh, principles and models that, that work. So, you know, it's not a question of the principles and models. It, it really comes down to who is at fault. And and where does the responsibility lie for a lot of the failure? And it really lies with the leadership and the management of the organization. Um, and so, just from, yeah, just to relate a, an example of, of this, uh, I was in a restaurant, gosh, probably a couple of weeks ago, and an executive came in that I had uh, met have known for quite some time of a major logistical company in the nation and they said uh, we were talking about well, what you're doing so hey we're, we're doing lean training and we're doing operational excellence and they said oh we tried that a couple of years ago we trained a bunch of yellow belts and green belts and for about two years we kept training them and we do these various projects and about the third year they never moved the needle and so we just fired them all, all the, the, the black belts. We closed down that uh, continuous improvement department, and we just gave up on it. And, and, and it just hit me there is that the leadership really lacked the understanding of how to implement, manage, and monitor a, uh, a, a lean program. And so the responsibility or the majority responsibility lies directly with the leadership, not understanding their role and their responsibilities in this whole implementation model.
0: I know there's a quote that you guys have given me and, uh, you can probably give me several, but it's the flavor of the month. What do you guys have to say about that?
3: Well, I know in, in my situation, um, anytime we tried any type of new implementation, whether it be lean from various different companies, uh, Toyota, Kata, you know, you name it, the operators and supervisors tend to look at it as a flavor of the month. And they get that in their head and they say, look, I'm going to go along with it for a little bit because I know it'll go away either when we get a new manager, or when the next, next company takes us over. But, um, That's the attitude that a lot of people have. Hey, I'll stick it out until it goes away, but eventually it's going away because that's what everything else has done. And, uh, you know, to to Guy's point, it, it points back to leadership, either not understanding how to implement or not really knowing and seeing what the benefits could be for the business, but also for the people.
4: I, I agree, Joe. I, I think I think for the leader, if you're hearing that from your associates, then you haven't done a good enough job of explaining to them what the change actually is and why it's been implemented. Uh, they actually, you know, again, as I said earlier, that 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 resistance is going to be there because we don't like initial change, and especially if we feel like we've gone through multiple changes without any rationale. And I think it's it, it's it's important for the leader to do her job or his job well in explaining this is the change and why we're making the change?
2: Maybe just to dig a little deeper and unpack this one. So, um, you know, rarely is a lean program truly strategic, right, Anthony? So there's a lot of optionality around the program and, in fact, around continuous improvement. Generally, a lot of organizations have no approach to continuous improvement at all um, uh, that, that's that been well thought through or, or considered. So if it's not strategic and if it doesn't form and is not linked to some of the key requirements and expectations of the company, it then becomes a flavor of the month become something that uh, is just topical at the moment it'll go away because it doesn't have any real foundation in our values uh, or in our culture or even in our objectives so of course it's going to go away after a little while especially when people see how hard it is to do so uh, I think that's a big part of, um, of initiatives failing as well Anthony.
0: So Andrew let me stay with you there Let's think on where we've seen Lean done well. Um, give me an example, if you would, where you've seen Lean done well.
2: So I guess the best uh, the best application I've seen of it, uh, one that I know deeply enough, uh, was with a very large global pharmaceutical company. Um, and they had spent a lot of time building the foundation for the program. In other words, uh, it wasn't just, okay, let's get people trained. They probably spent a good eight months building up the organisation that would run Lean across across the global group, and we're talking about multiple sites across multiple uh, countries. Um, it, 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 it had no sense of being temporary or optional. This, this was just, just was going to be for the long run. Um, and so they put people in place. Um, they did a lot of education first for site leaders, not even talking to black belts, not even talking about belts at all, uh, talking to site leaders and making them understand the priorities that needed to be met um, and, and why we were doing this as a result of that exercise talking about lean being mean a number of people were exited from the organization because it was clear they would not be uh, they would not be supportive they would not uh, they would not be supportive so this organization dealt with that from the outset it didn't tolerate any leader at any site um, not being 100% on board with this um, so after they had thought it all through and planned it all out, then began the training, yes, uh, but that training was linked directly to site objectives. Um, the reason you were getting trained was to deliver benefit to the site, and those benefits were in, in, captured already in site budgets. So there was a very strong strategic intent behind the whole program um, and and it had no sense of being temporary or, or uh, optional.
0: I got you. Joe, I'm going to turn over to you. Can you give me an, a, a good example of where you've seen Lean be successful? Uh,
3: actually, I have two. And so one was a greenfield site uh, in the automotive industry supplying a, uh, a, a car assembly plant. And uh, from the very beginning, we didn't have a warehouse. So we only had one day of inventory. Um, we had three different departments. Each one had the Kanbans already set up before the before we really hired anybody and had uh, and it made any product at all. And so the whole site was designed with lean in mind. And boy, that thing ran like a champ. So when you start with a Greenfield site, uh, the the operators and the people that work at that site don't know any better. That's the only way they've seen. And so performs very well. It really is part of the culture. The second example is a pretty well-known consumer product uh, company. And the thing that I really liked about visiting their site for a week or so was that uh, they had the structure in place to keep the machines that were making products running. And so uh, it was so good because they could tell what their problems were who was working on them and when they were going to get them fixed to the point where their OEEs for their machines, if it got below 99%, they were upset and they had a army of people attacking those machines to make sure they ran uh, greater than 99% OEE. And that's just tremendous in, in this day and age.
0: We said earlier that it takes leadership commitment for Lean to be successful. Um, I'm going to kind of move the needle, let's say in this whole podcast. And, uh, we're going to go to our round table discussion. And as you guys know, this podcast is called the results matter. And, and we want to move the needle for anyone who is listening or, uh, maybe taking the advice that we have on this podcast and implementing it. So, uh, as we go here, I'm going to start out with guy, if you would, If you could give any advice to someone listening to this podcast, whether it be a manager, an executive, um, someone in HR even, um, what would that advice be?
1: So, um, once again, it starts with the leadership. And so many times people confuse black belt training, green belt, whatever this belt training is. The leadership of an organization has to have very specific training related to their role, their responsibility, how do I implement this, how do I communicate this um, for the organization. The the second point would be is that the implementation and the training of the um, lean or six, six, six Sigma needs to be tied directly to the business needs of the company so that early on in the implementation process it's just not delivering this wholesale set of belt training. It's giving specific tools that are needed that are tied to the business, the need, business needs of the organization. One, I, I, people see the value of the training and the value of the tools immediately. And they see their their lives on the uh, production floor and the service sector improve immediately. So they see the value in this transformational process. So it's it's kind of changing the way that it's been implemented in years past to the needs of the business. But once again, that, that leadership, and, and I just don't see that being offered in industry today. They'll, They'll have all this bell training, but they won't have what the leadership needs in order to implement and sustain uh, Lean success.
0: right. I want to transition over to Andrew. Andrew, what would that quote be for that executive or manager?
2: Well, I think I'm going to build on what Guy talked about. So look, I would say, first of all, before you go off and figuring out who's training and what you're going to do let's let's have a let's hold up the mirror first right let's really hold up the mirror to leadership and have a good long hard look at ourselves and see if we truly understand what a lean deployment means for me what do i need to do am i truly committed do I have sufficient understanding? Um, am I am I willing to 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 turn this into something cultural or at least strategic? Uh, and let's not get off first base until we've done all that, because that's where the failure comes in. You see, so yeah, I would hold up that mirror, and uh, if I was looking for a partner to to support me in a lean deployment, my first stop would be there. Can you work with the leadership? Help us get where we need to be so that we can make this deployment successful.
0: All right, Joe, you're next. What is that word of advice? So,
3: just a couple of things. Number one, it's a journey, it's a long journey. It's not something that you're going to implement, expect to see uh, huge wins and huge um, improvements overnight. So, you, you got to keep that in mind, both. Uh, the leaders, and the people that are going to be affected by the implementation of lean. Uh, Because in the end, what it is, really, it's the relentless pursuit of perfection, and you never get there. And so if you think about that, you know, you're constantly trying to improve and improve and get better and get better and get better. Uh, But it does take a while. It's a long journey. And the other piece of advice I give folks if they were going to do this is, celebrate some quick wins, right? So that it doesn't get that lean as mean stigma about it.
0: All right, Jeff, you're the last one in line, man. How would you uh, sum this up or how would you give a word of advice to these executives or managers that are listening into our podcast?
4: Well, first, I think my my uh, associates here, my colleagues have done a good job of, of, of talking about how to practically take this and, and implement it, uh, looking at oneself, considering the process. and I think that's been emphasized multiple times. So I want to highlight it again, it is a process. Change is not a quick fix. It's I know we as leaders, we're very decisive and we like to make quick decisions, and we're proud of that. But the way people respond to change, important changes in your organization, it takes time. It is a process. And as Joe said, you've got to celebrate the advances, the acceptances uh, by the individuals, which may just be small advances. We've got to celebrate those. And and again, realize it's a process that takes time. But before we do any of that, I I agree also uh, with my colleague that uh, we need to look in the mirror. How do we really, do we really believe in the change that we're about to make? Do we believe in the lean process? Or is it, are we just, going with what we think is the latest uh, trend. And lean is not a trend. Lean lean has a history of success and has a lot of research that backs up the success of it. So if you're going to accept lean or a lean model, then you've got to personally be willing to accept it and believe in it before you begin to uh, teach and train your associates. Guys, I appreciate you
0: joining in today. I appreciate all the feedback, all the information, all the data you've given. And I hope in some way we've helped someone out there. This is Anthony Smith and this has been the Results Matter Business Podcast by RCI. Thanks for joining in today. You have just listened to the Results Matter Business Podcast by RCI. When results matter, think RCI. Check us out at www.thinkrci.com